Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Biggest fear is that we live in peace. But what the world needs now is for the bombs to cease. Get rid of the bombs. We don't need no bombs. Get rid of the bombs. Let's end the fighting. Get rid of the bombs. Hey, everybody, it's Bethany Blankley. I'm hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. Great to be back with you. And I want to just go over some basic facts about Iran because people have been emailing and texting me, asking me questions about the Iran deal. What's going on in Congress? Can you explain it to us? So I thought I would do that on this on this show. I used to work in Congress. I worked in Congress from 95 to 2000. But what I want to explain to people about what is exactly going on in Congress right now, both Republicans and Democrats are receiving money from foreign governments, organizations and individuals. They do not represent the people who are voting for them. I want to make that clear. The majority of people in Congress do not represent the people who allegedly are voting for them. They represent the corporations who are putting hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in their bank accounts. And most of that is coming from Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Libya, and Turkey. And the reason why is because right now, no matter what anyone will tell you, right now what's going on in the world is a lot of turmoil and conflict related to Islam. And there are, there are many reasons for this. I go into it more in other shows and on my website. But Islam is a totalitarian political ideology with one goal. And there are two different factions within Islam warring with each other over how to achieve that goal. The majority of Muslims are Sunni, like Saudi Arabia. The minority are Shias. And those represent, are mostly represented by Iran and, and parts of Turkey. There has been a war ongoing in that entire region of Arabia and Persia and the Levant, which I'll get into, battling over who is the real descendant of Muhammad and who should we follow. That's the issue between the Sunnis and the Shias. So think of it as Protestants and Catholics. Catholics say that the head of the church is the Pope. Protestants say, no way, the Pope has zero authority. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. And we only do what the Bible says, not what the Vatican or anybody else says. What's going on in Congress right now is they are deliberating over the level of authority that they have of releasing purse strings. Congress is the power of the purse. However, they authorized funding already by passing the omnibus bill in December of last year. December of 2014 was a very difficult month for me because I knew when Congress passed that bill, it was over. America's future was hanging on the balance of a Congress who had been bought and paid for largely by, by banks and foreign countries. That bill that was passed, most of it was written by lobbyists. Basically what happens when Congress is supposed to pass a bill for a budget. The Constitution provides an outline for how a budget is supposed to be presented. And both House and Senate have budget committees. They're supposed to do an audit 
of current spending, look at the agencies and the the litany of bureaucratic requests, have the Congressional Office of Budget and other organizations and agencies that weigh in on where the government is spending and borrowing money. This gets negotiated back and forth between the House and the Senate, which proposes a budget that the president either supports or vetoes. That has not happened since 1999, since when I was in Congress. And what people need to understand, and I had nothing to do with the budget process, I'm just saying, I was working on Capitol Hill the last time an actual budget was passed. What has happened since is an omnibus bill gets passed. So think of it as you are, you're working, you're negotiating with a credit card company to push back the due date of when you owe the bill. And so all it does is it pushes back a due date, borrows more money and says, we're going to pay this, this and this without taking actual responsibility for what the budget is or should be attributed to. In the budget, in the non-budget, in the omnibus bill that passed in December of 2014 that the majority of Congress voted for and the people who voted for it each got around $330,000 per vote, per vote, voting yes for the omnibus bill, they got $330,000 each, according to a study that the Washington Post did. I have it on my website. Anyway, the point is, is that when they passed that omnibus bill, they authorized the borrowing and spending of money that was allocated for various that they listed. And one of those was at least $12 billion within a $70 billion budget for the State Department. According to the State Department, they were negotiating a treaty with Iran of which Congress had no part. Wouldn't you think that if Congress is going to authorize spending, they should know what they're authorizing spending for? Well, now it's like Congress's hand is caught in the cookie jar. They already allocated and affirmed that they would allow spending to go towards the State Department and the State Department under the executive authority of Barack Obama can send money to Iran without Congress. Now Congress is getting all upset and they're saying, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to be involved in this process. We need to be involved in negotiating a deal and we need to make sure that Iran isn't going to use the $12 billion that we're sending them or have already sent them because we've sent them a lot of money already. And a couple of weeks ago, Barack Obama was able to have the government of South Africa send Iran $12 billion in gold. Gold, people. Now, Congress right now, what they're doing is they're debating and deliberating on how do we get ourselves out of the mess that we created last December when we voted to give $70 billion to the State Department, of which $12 billion will go to Iran. Now, nobody knows what's in this deal between Iran and the State Department. Congress doesn't know, the Senate doesn't know, and yet they're all deliberating and debating, running around like chickens with their heads cut off, using incredible spin and PR, working with the news media, who, by the way, all of the news organizations, everything you hear on the news, mainstream media, including Fox News, they're all owned by six companies, six 
companies, people. The, the news that is being sent out right now largely is disinformation. Much of what is going on in Iran, we do not know about, largely because of our involvement through the CIA. Now, the United States government was involved and is primarily responsible for the tragedy of what Iran is going through right now. In 1953, the CIA led a coup. We overthrew their democratically elected government because we were allies with the British and the British wanted to have 85% of the profit because the British petroleum was in Iran and extracting their resources. Iran as a sovereign nation who had a democratically elected republic said we do not want another government another company came coming in and taking all of our resources and we only get 15% of the profit. We're going to nationalize our resources to allow the profit to go to the people and the British said no we don't like that so what did they do they had the CIA come in overthrow Iran's democratically elected government and the United States government put in a dictatorship a brutal dictatorship and they created a secret service which was no different than the Nazis the SS the Gestapo the United States CIA created SAVIK. S-A-V is in Victor A-K. I kid you not. The United States is responsible for all of the suffering that the Iranians have endured since 1953. And shame on us. And shame on every single person in Congress who voted for that omnibus bill last December. Shame on us for not holding our elected officials and government agencies who are not controlled by the people. We do not live in a democratic republic anymore right now, people. We may in theory, but we do not live in a democratic republic. We do not live in a country where the people in charge are actually representing the people who allegedly put them in office. We do not have a government that represents the people of United States. The majority of Americans don't want to deal with Iran. There's no guarantee. That's the whole point. Would you ever hand over money to somebody saying, I want you to give me a car and I'm going to give you all the money up front and then rely on their word, even though you know them to be convicted felons, that they are going to give you a car? Who in their right mind would do that? But yet we're giving Iran $12 billion up front initially. It will be a lot more. I've heard over 50 billion, which, by the way, 200 million funds Hezbollah for 50 years. Now, Hezbollah has already been firing missiles into Israel from Lebanon. I was there in January. I saw exactly where this was happening. What people need to understand is that Iran definitely supports terrorism as does Saudi Arabia, as does Qatar, as does Turkey. What's happening right now throughout this entire region is a struggle over land and resources. I'll get into that next because I want to talk more about Iran and the the map and the history behind it so people understand who these people are and what's happening to them and how our government is responsible. Should we have a deal with Iran? No. Should we have ever invaded their country in 1953? No. We'll be back. This is Bethany Blankley. You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. It could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. 
You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. fear is that we live in peace but what the world needs now is for the bombs to cease get rid of the bombs we don't need no bombs get rid of the bombs let's end the fighting get rid of the bombs hey everybody and we're back it's bethany blankley i'm hosting america's betrayal i'm renegade talk radio to learn more, listen to more, go to my website on BethanyBlankley.com. The first thing I want to tell you about Iran is that it is an area that has been fought over for thousands of years, but most specifically over the last 100 years since World War One. Prior to the end of World War One, there was no Iran, there was no Iraq, there was no Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, Saudi Arabia, there was no Afghanistan, Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan. There was no Georgia. There was no Ukraine. This entire area was carved up over a period of time prior to, during, and after the breakup of the Soviet Union, prior to, during, and after World War I, specifically World War I and World War II. Iran is a geographic location rich in resources of all kinds of different minerals, oil, gas, but specifically water. When you look at a map, Iran holds the key to two major bodies of water, the Persian Gulf, to which the Arabian Sea goes into, and the Caspian Sea. And to its west are the Tigris and Euphrates River. And to its north, surrounding the Caspian Sea, used to be the Soviet Union. Now the Soviet Union was broken up into all these little republics or countries, for lack of better word. And to Iran's east is Afghanistan and Pakistan. And Pakistan used to be part of India. They split when India broke from the United Kingdom and wanted to become its own independent nation. Now, a lot of people don't know this. There is a context here, people. Iran didn't just get resources and money and scientists and research and all of the materials needed to build nuclear energy. That just didn't happen out of thin air. Nuclear weapons discussions, this just didn't happen out of thin air. In fact, the United States being involved in Iran didn't happen until we invaded them illegally in 1953. The Levant, you need to understand this term, the Levant goes from north, Egypt, all the way through up into the Tigris and Euphrates, some say even to the Caspian Sea. So we're stretching from northeast Egypt into Israel, Jordan, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, up into Syria, Lebanon, and parts of Turkey. So even including the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. Now the Levant, that entire region, according to Genesis in the Bible was the promised land that God gave to Israel and the Jews. So when you hear people talk about Israel being an occupier, Israel being illegal, they do not understand from a biblical context that all of these Arabic countries have actually invaded and taken over a land that God promised to the Jews. If Israel, according to the promise in Genesis, were actually a geographic country, 
it would encompass most of Saudi Arabia, northeastern Egypt, all of Jordan, most or all of Syria, all of Lebanon, all of Iraq, and parts of Iran. That never happened for many different reasons that are explained in the Bible. However, Muslims who really understand the Quran and the Bible, they will talk about excluding Israel. No Muslim country is going to acknowledge Israel as a country. They reject it. So when you hear Barack Obama talk about ISIS, he never uses the term ISIS. He uses the term ISIL, which is the independent Islamic state of the Levant, meaning what every Muslim knows, there should be and will be no Israel when the caliphate is reestablished. Now, why is Iran important to this? Because it is largely Shia Muslim. And Shia Muslim, the only difference between Shia and Sunni is they differ over who the direct descendant of Muhammad is. So Saudi Arabia is Sunni. Sunnis hate Shias. Shias hate Sunnis. The Saudis say that they're going to attack Iran. They are against the Iran deal in Congress because they don't want Shia Muslims to get any more money from the United States. What people need to understand is history. Nothing happens in a vacuum. There is a context and usually the context is at least, it goes back at least three generations. What people need to understand is that Iran, what is that issue over Iran right now, has nothing to do with nuclear weapons. It has to do with Islam. Islam wanting to perpetuate rebuilding the Ottoman Empire, which fell at the end of World War One. Islam also wants to hold on to land that they have had previously. So any Islamic country is going to want to hold on to land that they have. The other issue has goes back to who are the enemies of Islamic countries, and that would be the West, the United Kingdom. A huge enemy of Islam is Russia. They have been fighting the Ottoman Empire and Muhammad's followers for over a thousand years. So this entire region is vital to Russia. Russia needs the Caspian Sea. It needs the Black Sea. It needs the oil and resources. Otherwise, it's a landlocked country. So when you look at the battle for what's going on with Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, it always has to do with control over land and resources between the West and Islamic countries and between is between Islamists who want to support a caliphate and those who don't. So the the primary players here are all is always going to be Russia, Islamic countries and the West who need those resources as well. And keep in mind, Russia needs those resources because they're providing the energy and electricity to Western Europe. The reality is that since World War I, this entire region, there is continued bloodshed and strife. And to our shame, to America's shame, the CIA and American foreign policy has caused tremendous suffering and harm and hardship and oppression and persecution of Christians throughout this entire region. I'm going to list some articles I've written about this already to link to the show so you can see what I'm talking about. But the reality is that there is a lot more going on to this 
than just Congress not knowing what they're doing, which is not news to begin with. Nobody wants nuclear weapons in the hands of Iran. The United States of America had no business going in and overthrowing Iran's government in 1953. Imagine how different it would be if Iran still had its democratic republic then, and if the United States had not overthrown its democracy. Imagine how that whole region would be different. We would not be having the discussion that we're having today. I'm going to post more resources about this on my website so you can read about it and learn more. This is Bethany. I'm hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Biggest fear is that we live in peace. But what the world needs now is for the bombs to cease. Get rid of the bombs. We don't need no bombs. Get rid of the bombs. Let's end the fighting. Get rid of the bombs. Hey, everybody, we're back. It's Bethany Blankley hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. And I just want to update people a little bit more about Iran to understand. Part of the history and the context and also the nonsensical information being purported by the media and Barack Obama. So according to a Washington Post ABC News poll, this was on March 30th earlier this year, they are claiming that Americans actually support having an ideal with Iran that restricts the nation's nuclear program in exchange for loosening sanctions. However, nearly six in ten, according to this poll, say that even though they support this deal, they're really not confident that the deal will prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons. So can you please explain to me why support a deal if you don't think it's going to be effective? That makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. So 59% support an agreement where the United States and its negotiating partners would lift major economic sanctions in exchange for restrictions on Iran's nuclear program. And 31 opposed the deal. Well, here's the here is the deal. The deal is there is no deal with Iran. Iran has sworn that they are our enemy. They hate America. We are the great Satan. They are not going to agree to any deal, but they will be more than happy to take the billions of dollars the Congress already voted to allocate to give to them. And this is what our moron in chief Barack Obama said. He said he told reporters that 99% of the world community agrees with his historic nuclear agreement with Iran. However, he won't allow anyone in Congress to actually read the deal. It's ridiculous. This man is lying through his teeth. And this is what he says. I'm quoting. If 99% of the world community and the majority of nuclear experts look at this and say, this will prevent Iran from getting the bomb, and you are arguing either that it does not, or even if it does, it's temporary, or because they are going to get a windfall of their accounts being unfrozen, they'll cause more problems, then you should have some alternative to present. I'm sorry, Barack Obama, but since when have you ever accepted an alternative? But the irony is that he's actually saying that 99% of the world community supports his, his decision to have an agreement with Iran, even though he won't say what the agreement entails. And Ted Cruz has said, why don't you debate me? Why don't you tell me what's actually in this deal and why it's good for America? And is is Obama going to take him up on that? 
I highly doubt it. The alternative, Barack Obama and everybody else, is not to send any money to Iran, period. Forget about negotiating. There is no such thing as negotiating with an enemy. Do not send money to Iran, period. No more billions of dollars, period. No more money to Saudi Arabia. No more money to Turkey. No more money to Egypt. No more money to Libya. No more money to Syria. No more money. I could go on and on and on. We have people who are starving, who do not have jobs in the United States of America, who have lost their homes because of the corruption of banks in this country. And yet we have a president and a horrible Congress, the majority of whom are guilty of treason, who support sending money to foreign governments, 75% of whom are Islamic and hate the United States. Why are are we sending any money at all to Islamic countries? Ask your congressmen and senators which countries throughout the Middle East, which countries, Islamic countries, do we give money to? Ask them, how much money do we give them and to whom and why? Why are we giving money to Egypt? Why are we giving money to Libya, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Qatar, Iraq, Syria, Jordan. Why are we giving money to all of these Muslim countries that hate us? The reality is that nobody knows. They are wasting, throwing money out the window because it isn't their money. It is time for the American people to say no more. We are not going to support this. We are not going to pay taxes to a corrupt government that has no clue what it's even doing. It's absurd. What is going on in D.C. today is absolutely absurd. If the majority of people say they support a deal, but they don't think it's effective, then what the heck are they supporting? They are supporting insanity. We're going to take a break. I'm going to get back. I want to just highlight a couple of things for Christians and the biblical history of Iran that has been largely ignored and destroyed by corruption in Washington, in the United States of America. If we want to talk about being a quote-unquote Christian nation, let me tell you how the United States has destroyed the Christian heritage of Iran and Iraq, which dates back thousands of years. We're talking 4,000 years before Christ. We're talking about biblical prophecy that goes back to Daniel and Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah. So I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Bethany. I'm Renegade Talk Radio. I'll be back. I'm going to talk a little bit about why Christians should be concerned and how we should be expressing support for the Iranian people and Christians in Iran. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. That's not cool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior.
Hey everybody, we're back. It's Bethany. I'm hosting America's Betrayal on Renegade Talk Radio. To learn more, listen to more, go to my website, bethanyblankley.com. I have a lot of information on there about Iran, Israel, uh, Islam, basic facts that just are not being discussed in the media. And for Christians, Iran is central to biblical history. In fact, throughout the Bible, or much of the Old Testament, and even in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, talk about Iran. The Iranians are Persians. Persians are very different from Arabs. They do not see each other as equals. There are a lot of racial and ethnic divisions within Islam. So the Kurds and the Arabs hate each other. The Arabs and the Persians hate each other. There's just, there's a long history there. The Persians of Iran are the grandsons of Noah. So in the Bible, when you hear about the Elamites, the media, the Medianites, the Persians, they're talking about the people from Elam, Media and Persia, that is specifically referring to who the people of Iran are today. And they've been there for 4,000 years before Jesus Christ. Now, Elam was the son of Shem, and Shem was the son of Noah. So Elam was Noah's grandson. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 10. The Elamites, this is all in the history in Iran, in their museums, textbooks, university, they all know that they are the descendant of Noah, quite literally. However, they are all Shiites, the majority of them, over 90% are Shiite Muslim, and I'll get into that in a minute. In a minute, when you go through the Bible and you hear all of these different stories, you you start to recognize the names and the locations when you're looking at a map of Iran. Of Iran, remember when Abraham was forced into conflict because of his nephew Lot. Lot had been taken captive by invaders. Sodom and Gomorrah, which everybody hopefully knows, was annihilated. Was on the western side of what is now the Dead Sea, separating Israel and Jordan. Anyway, Abraham was able to defeat Mesopotamian rulers with just about 300 men. If you remember, that was when he gets Lot, the wife turns back, she turns into a pillar of salt, and Sodom and Gomorrah is completely destroyed. Babylon was the geographic center of some of the most powerful kingdoms ever to rule in the history of the world. It dominated the Elamites of the south and the Assyrians of the north. When you hear anything about Syria, they are Assyrians. The Assyrians fought the fought the Israelite. They were conquered. They were conquered. You can read about it all through the Old Testament. The prophet Daniel lived in Iran. He lived in an Elamite city of Susa, which is on the western border of Iran, very close to Iraq. It's now called Shush. Daniel lived under the Persian emperor Cyrus, and his Median lord was Darius. So it was in Susa in Iran that Daniel had a vision of Jesus Christ, and he laid out all of these prophecies that most Christians debate about the end times. Now, it's important to understand, Daniel was living in the time of the very first Persian empire, and Susa is one of the oldest cities in the entire world. Susa was the first capital and the empire 
under Cyrus was immense. It went from India all the way to Ethiopia. Later on, they moved their capital to Persepolis. It's incredible, the ruins there. In many opinion of scholars and archaeologists, surpassed the ruins that are in Greece. When Alexander the Great became a ruler, he invaded the Persian Empire and burned Persepolis. So a lot of what remains is very, very small representation of how great it was. And it's important to understand also Persian rulers who allowed and actually paid for the Jews to return to Israel, to return to Jerusalem. And there are names that may they sound familiar to people. Sheshbazar, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Mordecai. They were all in the seat of power. They were all living in Iran. They were responsible for gradual restoration of legal rights to the Jews. They helped with return of temple treasures and the rebuilding of Jerusalem's temple and walls. Iran is incredibly central and important throughout Old Testament literature and historical narratives that talk about the repatriation of the Jewish exiles to their home from Assyria and Babylonian captivity. It is incredible to know the history of Christianity and Jews in Iran. So after Alexander the Great comes in and destroys the Persian Empire, later the Greeks divide this empire up, and later the Greeks are assimilated into the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire rules and burns and crashes, and then that gets divided up, and the Byzantines come in. So first you have the Persian, then the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Byzantine. The Byzantine were the Christian rulers like Charlemagne. The Byzantine rulers fought against Muhammad and his followers. So around 630 AD, approximately 630 years after Christ, Muslims start invading all of these different lands and they're fighting with the Byzantines for several centuries. And now Christianity is less than 1% in Iran. However, what Christians should know today is that in Acts chapter 2 in the first century, real Christianity, genuine Christianity that was being, Christians were being persecuted and killed by the Roman Empire. What ended up happening was that people of Elam heard the gospel in their own tongue on the day of Pentecost. So they heard some of, they heard probably one of the greatest spirit-inspired evangelistic crusades ever to be witnessed on the face of the earth. The Elamites, the Persians, heard the Galileans speak with perfect diction in the message of Jesus Christ in their native tongue. They understood people they had never met who didn't even know what they were saying in a different language. The gospel was taught to the Iranians, and it's so, and it should be today. And so, for Christians who are so concerned about all of this political quagmire in D.C., the priority for Christians is to make sure that the Christians in Iran or the non-Christians in Iran, more specifically, have access to reading and hearing the Bible. Right now, they do not. There is no free speech. There is no freedom of religious worship. Christians are being arrested in their own homes for praying in their own homes behind closed doors. I want you to think about that. Can you imagine you are in your own home, you are praying by your bed or wherever, you are singing songs, you are reading the Bible, 
in your own home and the privacy of your own home with the doors and windows closed. No one can see what you're doing, but the secret police in Iran find out and they throw you in jail. They throw you in prison. You are tortured and you are held in jail without just cause. Now, even though it's technically legal to be a Christian under Sharia law, it really isn't because Christians do not have the legal freedom to actually worship pray or read something other than the Quran in the confines of their own home. Now, I want to explain something about what's going on with Iran today. It really doesn't have anything to do with nuclear weapons. It has to do with age-old rivals and enemies. Now, the Shiites, they represent people who believe the descendant of Muhammad it was Muhammad's son-in-law, Shia to Ali. The Sunnis, they believe that the father-in-law of Aisha, Muhammad's last wife, who he married when she was nine years old, the Sunnis follow that the descendant of Muhammad was Aisha's father. The Shiites say, no, it was really Muhammad's son-in-law. And they both hate each other. They both are in- intentionally determined to kill each other. Now, the Shiites were Represent the southern and eastern border of Iraq and most of Iran. Now, the Shiites are part of Yemen, Qatar, Bahrain, Kuwait, Iran, and Lebanon. The Sunnis are represented in Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, uh, Azerbaijan, other countries I can't even pronounce, Ethiopia, Egypt, Turkey, Syria, Jordan, Sudan, Somalia, Oman, and the United Arab Emirates. That's a long list. Now, there's a difference also between Arabs, Kurds, and Persians. They all hate each other. So you can be an Arab and be a Sunni, but you can hate Kurds who are also Sunnis, which is why they're killing each other in northern Iraq. What is important to understand is that the Sunnis and the Shiites are determined to kill each other. And so if the United States of America is backing Iran, or it seems to be backing Iran, then Saudi Arabia is going to get very upset because Iran, who are Shiites, are their arch enemies. And ironically, even though they're enemies, they're still allies because as Islamists who believe in a returning caliphate, they're 100% against Western rule. There are two things that have to happen for the Islamists to believe that the final 12 members of a caliphate who are the chosen prophets of Muhammad, that Babylon has to be rebuilt and Israel, the nation of Israel, has to be destroyed. So even if a Sunni or a Shiite hate each other, they're all in agreement to get rid of Israel and to rebuild Babylon. However, who is in control right now of Iraq and who is in control of Iran? And that ancient, ancient fertile crescent of the Levant of the Euphrates and the Tigris River are still as important today as they were 5,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. It's incredible. The age-old millennial, multi-millennial conflicts continue today, which is why no American blood should be spilled in Iraq or Iran or Jordan, or Syria, for whatever reason the government says that we're advocating freedom when we're not. No American blood should be spilled on land where blood has been spilt for over 5,000 
years. Look at a map. Iran is crucial, not only for biblical history, but it is crucial for natural resources, for oil, gas, gold, copper, zinc, silver, and water. If you cut off access to water, your nation is screwed. And that is why Iran is pivotal to everything that's going on in the world today with Russia the Ukraine, the UK, Saudi Arabia, and somehow the CIA and the United States of American government since 1953 has decided to insert American foreign policy where it does not belong. Nothing happens today in a vacuum. There is always context, and context is key. You always have to ask certain questions. So why now are people so concerned about nuclear energy and nuclear weapons and money going to Iran? Why now? We've been sending them money since 1953. There are a lot of questions that nobody is asking. That's another point. Think about the questions that are not being asked. Because those are the most important, and you're only going to hear it here. I'm Renegade. I'm Bethany. Thank you for joining me. I'm Renegade Talk Radio.